what is red s and why as a postpartum mom should you actually care red s is relative energy deficiency in sport and it's important to know the signs and symptoms especially as a postpartum mom who you're trying to lose the baby weight back to training again you're also a milk machine and you're not getting any rest so our guest today tina muir is a former professional runner she was a professional marathoner for Great Britain, and she's going to share her story with Red S, but then also share her information and how she's trying to spread the word on letting not only women, but postpartum women understand what Red S is and how we can get better information out to women so we don't put our bodies at risk. So if you are interested in all and how to make sure that you are fueling correctly, make sure that you're getting your training right and making sure you're not setting yourself up for injury, you're not going to want to miss this episode. Let's start the show. You're tuning into the Active Mom Podcast with physical therapist, Dr. Carrie Pagliano, a real mom's guide to all things postpartum return to workouts after baby. If you're a postpartum mom, coach, trainer, or physical therapist looking for answers on how to get back to running, CrossFit, yoga, Pilates, HIIT, you name it without the fear of pelvic floor issues or doing something wrong, this is the podcast for you. Let's start the show. All right. So we've talked about Red S before, but I sort of fell down the rabbit hole with Tina Muir's YouTube series, um, just educating on how much we need to pay attention to Red S. Um, and I have a feeling there's far more Red S going on in postpartum than any of us realize. So I welcome Tina Muir to the Active Mom Postpartum Podcast. Tina, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about why, why are you so excited about sharing info about Red S? Why is this so important to you? Yes, yeah, funny you use the term excited because I think um, <laughs> going through this process, I realized that there was actually a lot of trauma there. And I think mm. I thought I was excited because this is something I'd always thought about doing. But going into it, it was kind of like you hear people saying about when they write a book, how it like exposed things and they needed to go into therapy yeah. or they really opened up some things that they kind of repressed. And it was very much the case for me. So while I will say ex I started off passionate and excited about this. By the end, it was very much a healing and um, reflective and growth period for me in that uh, I had Red S. Well, at the time, it was just kind of a menorrhea of not having a period was all that I knew of um, for nine years or maybe 11 if you want to count. I had one period in between that was forced by um, uh, just some very strong hormones uh, but I went through all these years as a professional, as a collegiate athlete, as a professional athlete of not having a period. That was all I knew of it at the time. But having since, you know, that time, I've learned a lot more about the symptoms beyond just having a period. And it affects, you know, more than just fast elite runners. Um, mm -hmm. It affects uh, all genders. It affects all speeds, all mileages of running or exercise. It affects um, people of every size, every shape. And so coming into that information, it also came into the fact that it's not just about not having a period. It's There's also all these other symptoms that I had been having all along that made me feel a little bit crazy um, and wondered, feeling even more frustrated with my body. Um, and so 
I wanted to make this because this is what I wish I had when I was going through that period when I felt so alone and so broken. And I've always had a pretty good relationship with my body in terms of I'm a very intuitive person and I listen to my body. But I also hated it because I couldn't understand what was wrong with it. And now I know it wasn't Mm. anything wrong with it. It was just like that was something I wasn't addressing and and all these other little things were going wrong because of it It was all connected, which now is Red S. Wow. How, how does it feel to, to, to see more people talking about it and, and almost reflecting back the experience that you had? I I just finished um, Lauren Fleshman's Good for a Girl. Obviously she was very open about Mm -hmm. that as well. Like Mm -hmm. looking back on that, are you like, wow, this was such a thing it's still such a thing how is this still happening like yeah Lauren was a really hard hitting for me I I mean I said to her I said I cannot of all the things you shared in that book which I absolutely loved and I was really fortunate to have an advanced copy so I you know had time to process it before it came out um I could not believe Lauren Fleshman of all people mm. went through that. Like to me, she seemed like the one person that I was like, absolutely not. Um, because she just seemed so above all that, uh, above making those mistakes, above, um, you know, like so confident in who she was that she would never fall into those traps. Um, so it, that was pretty eye-opening um, to see that, that she had also struggled with the way that she looked and restricted and suffered the consequences of it. Um, and yeah, so it it is good to see, but there's also the unfortunate side of knowing so much about this and having such a passion for this is that I see it all around. And I can look at these women, especially with some men as well, and say, yep, you. I know you're working through that. Yeah. Um, but know that there's nothing I can do to get them to get to the place where they're prepared to either admit it or get help. They just have to figure it out on their own. So while I'm glad that the conversations are happening, they're almost always after, unless someone like Ali Ostrander, Amelia Boone, I really admire both those women for um, speaking out during. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's quite hard to see knowing that they know, I, uh, I know how they feel. And right. yet I can't do anything to change it. And even Ali Ostrander, I talked to her recently and she she said, all those years I was following you and paying attention to you. And I was, all those years I was watching her being like, I should say something, but I can't. I should say something, yeah. but I can't. And so it's just like a hard place to be in as an empathetic person that I want to like help them, but I can't. Yeah. I, I, I think, again, to your point, like it, it was and continues to be so dominant in the running community, high school, collegiate, professional. If we shift gears a little bit and look at postpartum athletes, we're we're getting a lot more moms that are showing up and performing and doing well. Even if we kind of start looking at the recreational postpartum athlete, Mm -hmm. What are you seeing? Because I, I I have moms that have no idea what I'm talking about. You say, oh well, female athlete triad or something like that, and you're like, oh, okay. I, I, but I'm I'm not an athlete. I just I just mm-hmm. run community races. Or why would relative mm-hmm. energy deficiency in sport when I don't consider myself an athlete? Yes. Like, 
unpack that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, and one more thing I want to add to that is yeah. that women who are postpartum, it's very easy to be like, well, I had a baby, so I must yes. be fine. You know, you you were like, well, I have my period, or maybe it's not I have my period. Oh, my period's all messed up because I just had a baby. But, right, or I'm breastfeeding um, yes. or, yeah, oh, it just hasn't come back yet. Yes, yes. and so it's... um you've got that layer of it that kind of that not superiority and I very much was the same I think with my first daughter it took like 15 months to come back mm -hmm. I don't know looking back whether that was red s or not I'm not I'm not sure but with my second it came back after six months and that's mm. a pretty drastic difference so um I and my sister, uh, hers came back with both her kids after like two months so I know yeah. you know at least from my other one other sibling um yeah you know maybe it should have come back so I I get it like it's very easy to be like well it just hasn't normalized stabilized but yeah I mean especially when you add in the breastfeeding the amount of calories you burn I remember and you'll you'll get this and many people <laughs> listening I remember <clears throat> saying to my mom that I was having a hard time eating enough and it wasn't a not want to eat it was a literal I don't have the energy to eat. And she'd be like, well, why don't you eat some like carrots and hummus? And I would say, <laughs> mom, chewing carrots just seems it's like so much too effort. much work. I can't be bothered. It's not worth the 10 calories I'm going to get from it. I'd rather just like get a spoonful of peanut butter. <gasps> oh my gosh, that's so good. And that, it's yeah. so, like, I remember and feeling that way. And the same thing with, I, I would be like, you know what? I just wish I could make a smoothie that was 2000 calories I'd sit there and I'd like drink it down at the beginning of the day. And then at least I could go through like the morning and part right. into the afternoon without needing anything. I wish I could do that. So I like, it is so you're already taking care of other people. You're trying right. to do other things. You've got whatever else is going on in your life and adding preparing food. I still, I mean, my youngest is two and a half and I still sometimes open the fridge and I'm like, oh, I should make it like a salad or something. And I'm like, oh, I just can't be bothered. And so then I shut the door. And then 10 minutes later, I come back. Yep. And I just grab a quick thing because I'm like, yep. I just can't. So I, it, it is a challenge. Um, but I think you're right that postpartum, it's very easy to miss because we can so easily blame hormones. We can blame um, busyness. We can say... I'm trying to do too many things at once. Oh, stress is a contributor, right? So it must mm -hmm. be that. Um, and yeah, so I would imagine there's quite a lot of that going on, especially those women who are determined to get back to some kind of goal. Yes. Um, that it is hard to get enough calories. Like it really is, especially if you're marathon training. I mean, that's... Um, that you you got to be continuously eating at that point yeah no i, I you're, you're totally 100 it's it well and then you've got sleep deficit mm -hmm. and i see a lot of um moms a couple things with their eating either during pregnancy they say they let themselves go but they were a little bit looser with mm -hmm. you know but they feel the need to go restrictive mm -hmm. and if you're um around my generation or a little bit less, you're all you know of eating is restrictive yeah. eating to lose weight. So you're like, okay, I've never lost baby weight before. This doesn't feel right. I'm going to go restrictive. Mm -hmm. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to get my body back and do this 10K or 10 miler and overtrain if you're lucky enough to have your baby sleep, all that other good mm -hmm. stuff. Like, I just feel like it's, it's the perfect storm. Yeah 
to set yourself up for this? Like mm-hmm. what for you, like what, what kind of thinking back in your first pregnancy and postpartum, like how did you even know how to navigate? I mean, you, you're pro runner for crying out loud. Like mm. how to, <laughs> and, 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 and we know you and I know that there, you know, not a lot of resources, but like, no. how did you figure out how to navigate training through those periods of time the first time around and what was different the second time around for you? Yeah, I think the first time around, I had done some of the unpacking of my behaviors, my relationship to food, uh, in terms of I recognized, I recognized that thoughts like, oh, it's 2pm, I'm hungry again. Oh, but it's four hours to dinner. Oh, I'll just eat an apple and that'll be good. Mm-hmm. And then you know, 4 p.m. I'm still hungry. Of course I am. Right. So, um, <laughs> so I'm just going to eat a few carrots. Like recognizing that that things like that, that's not healthy. However, right. I will say I would see pictures of myself. I have one in particular that keeps in my mind of like six, eight weeks postpartum, something, maybe even more than that, three, four months, I don't know. And seeing a picture that my husband took and my belly hanging over my pants and being like, oh, what yeah. is that? Uh, like, I got to get rid of that. I got to get rid of it. And, and, having that temptation of oh well maybe if I cut back I've got this I and this is you know this is where I'll be honest when people maybe speak to things people are thinking but not quite said out loud I'd see things like um I'd say all right well I've got some things going for me here I'm breastfeeding and I'm running and I've got a lot going on so I can do this pretty easy this is gonna be quick right Um, and then I can get myself to a healthy mental place um but it just doesn't work that way and um and yeah, you know, um, I you're you're the person who's going to be able to speak to the effect it would have on like breast milk or, um, yeah. you know, your body's functioning. But in terms of um, your running and you know goals, you're also not going to be able to get to where you want to go there because um, you're just not not giving it what it needs. And that's right. you know we do see so many people, women with who are training for things with pelvic sacral um what's the other one pelvic sacral and fem- femoral stress fractures which oh, is oh yeah in terms of red s that's like yes. red flag 101 um and so uh but you know i i do think and it kind of disappoints me that when these when pro runners have those injuries returning from training it's kind of often pinned on oh i just you know went a bit too hard and and there's it's kind of like brushed under the rug like oh it was just kind of happened Whereas, um, so that leads other women to look at those elite runners and be like, well, they did it in six months. They They were able to do this. And yeah, they had an unlucky injury, but then, you know, so I think a lot of it is, it's not an unlucky injury. Um, And it's just, we are forced into believing that that's the way back. And and Cara Goucher has talked about how she regrets doing what she did um, to her body postpartum. Uh, but she's the only person I've really heard say that that rushing back was not good for her mentally and emotionally. Yeah. And, you know, the things she missed out on by not even mentally being there because she was so exhausted. Right. Um, right. Yeah. We've got a lot of work to do as a society to um, to not rush women. I mean, I get constant emails and messages from women saying I'm six months postpartum I've got a race I want to do in two months um it's not coming together what should I do and you know it's one thing it's easy for me to say like I promise you like it's not worth rushing back you will get back but 
again we can't force other people yeah. the saying you can lead a horse to water you can't make it drink yeah um so yeah it's i'm trying to change the conversation but there's still so much focus on performance um mm -hmm. and women feel so lost from having you know an independent life maybe they did their training they had everything was about them and now it's all about taking care of this little person and they just want something for themselves yes. something to prove that they're still a person underneath so I totally get it yeah um, and sorry I've got way off topic compared to no my but it's it's good because I think <laughs> there's so many things popping into my head right now I mean my I, I, my kids um my kids are nine and twelve currently uh -huh. and you know it, I, I always feel bad when people are like oh well I didn't you know my oldest is five. I didn't know what to do. I'm like, there wasn't anything. Mm. I mean, and, and I, and, and that's where I, I kind of have to go through these processes myself because this is my literal actual job. It's been my job for practically 25 years. I didn't know any better. There were a lot of things where I was like, Hey, I should be able to do X, Y, and Z. I couldn't even run past 19 weeks with my oldest. Cause I literally could not take a step. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of question, you're like, okay, well, how am I to tell somebody else what to do when I can't do this, right? And then there's this ego part of me where I'm like, oh, well, now I could probably do it because I know so much more, but like woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? But it, there's still the same, even though we have more information now, even though more people are being more active, being more intentional about how they fuel, how they exercise how it, there's still that comparison there's still that expectation of well I should be here mm -hmm. and I am not mm -hmm. or that person is and I am not and I don't mm -hmm. know how and I I I, I almost it, it's that hard thing and and you can probably feel this a little bit now that your kids are getting a little bit older like you don't necessarily relate to that postpartum immediate as mm -hmm. much but you're like mm -hmm. if I could just take what's in my brain now mm -hmm. And put it into yours for just like a hot second, you would get it. But I don't know how to tell you this otherwise <laughs> without, you know, yeah. seeing, seeming very condescending or like, just trust me, this is, you know, slow is better. Slow is fast. Yes, I, it it definitely is difficult because um, you're right. I do. I do struggle sometimes. It's the same with I also get a lot of high school athletes who email yes. me and they say like, I've got this race this weekend and my coach says that it has to be this. And if I don't do this and I'm not going to get my scholarship and, da, 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 and I'm like, calm down, down. let's take a breath. <laughs> like, I promise you this yes. race alone is not going to determine whether you get a scholarship or not. Like, but it's, it feels the same way postpartum. Yeah. Like, you can say to someone like someone like you or I can say like, you know, it'll, it'll come back. I mean, I think I've lost some credibility because people are like, you don't want to come back. So what are you talking about? Because um, I'm quite enjoying just like taking it, like just Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Find the but, joy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did enough years of, of struggling exactly. my way through. Um, but uh, it is so difficult. And in some ways, I think it is made harder by, uh, so two things. One, with my second, I remember I, I and one of my neighbors was training for a 5k or a mile race or something so three to four months postpartum I was down the track with her running her pace like I wasn't fit enough to run faster I ran my her pace which was great for me it was good did some track workouts it was good um and uh and then I ran a 5k just randomly um just one day mm -hmm. by myself and I ran pretty fast like uh 
definitely minutes slower than my best but quite fast I was very happy with it and I'm not going to say the time because it always just makes it worse. Comparison. Yeah um, but I remember afterwards people being like oh how, how did you do that how can I do that and I was like please 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 don't compare yourself to me like yeah. my body has got t- like 15 years of training so right. I could probably not run for six months and still, and still pull it off. Yep. Yeah so um, yep. please, but that's part of the problem and I think especially now we're seeing some women postpartum who are doing things crazy quick like yes. uh, getting back into it so fast that it's making yes it's great that we're pushing the ba- boundaries in terms of like what pregnancy you know does it mean you sit there and hold your baby for six months and don't move because that's all you're all you are as a milk machine no right. but I do I do get fearful that we by seeing these elite examples, other people think, well, I can be the exception too. I can, I can maybe if they get back to running after 10 days, then maybe I won't do 10 days, but maybe I can get back after 12, 14 days. Um, and it stops us once again, just like GPS watches, it stops us listening to what we need Mm because we're just looking at what others do. And that again is the damage of like social media, in that you're only seeing one side of the story, not yeah, listening to you. Totally. And 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 I I I get that people want to get faster sooner and get back and and find that identity. Like I I totally I get that. I think what gets missed in the postpartum conversation is still um it's still recovery. You cannot speed up mm-hmm. um tissue healing timeframes. Like Mm -hmm. it is what it is. You cannot make that faster. You cannot, um, like if you're trying to rebuild foundational muscles and things that have gotten weaker through pregnancy, like you can't just snap your fingers and all of a sudden have that foundation back. Like it's putting in that initial foundational work. Mm -hmm. Um, but also in the context of yes, you're fueling for your workouts, but you're also fueling this little one. Mm -hmm. And if you overdo on the protein too early, guess what? They're going to have GI issues and no one loves bloody stool and mucusy stool. And I, I, I did that with my oldest, like I, for the first time he had mucusy stool, I was like, okay, I I think I overdid it on the Greek yogurt or something like Mm. that. And it's like, there's nothing worse than like your poor little brand newborn baby with bloody mucusy stool because his poor little GI system can't handle the conversion of protein. I've always been terrible at protein. So I definitely didn't know that. Me too. But it's just, (laughs) no, but I I had a, um, I had a client I was working with one time and I think she had a three month old and she was trying to kick up her nutrition and really had skyrocketed abruptly her protein. And then all of a sudden Mm. her three month old was having GI issues. And I was like, that is related Mm. because by three months, Mm. the system should be good, Mm. but you have to watch. Like sometimes you can use the baby as a little barometer of like, whoa, Mm. you're kind of overdoing. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think, again, having somebody you can talk to or work like I I didn't have enough brain cells at that time I still don't to, to meal plan that's the worst part of my day mm-hmm. is to go home and pick out what's oh, for yeah. dinner or absolutely I still do the reach look in the fridge and I'm like mm. but if you if you put that stuff there that's you know good choices and you can grab it quickly I think it does make it a little bit easier but Unless I don't, it's carrot. I don't right <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, not dealing with that just so I'm gonna stick your face in the hummus yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So second time around with your pregnancy and postpartum with your two-year-old, what did you do differently? If anything, 
Yeah, so I, I, I when you were talking there, that was making me think of another point which ties into this in that, um, again, with looking at other people, we are forgetting what kind of pregnancy and birth they had. Mm. Um, with both yeah. of mine, I had about as quote-unquote easy as you could have. I didn't have any tearing with either. I didn't have any complications. My second one even came out on call. So, like, she was just nice, totally, like, smooth out like um so I had a very easy I suppose recovery because that birth was easy I didn't have any complications I went to see a pelvic floor therapist both times um and um the second time was even quicker um you know getting cleared than the first mm -hmm. time uh with the pelvic floor therapist um and so but that, I think the biggest difference was for me, it was my first, even though I told myself I had let go of my elite past and I had, I still kind of wanted to have some kind of comeback race. Mm. And for me, I selected like she was 12 months old. So I felt like that was soon enough. Um, and I didn't run great. I still didn't feel like myself. Yeah. Um, but I did the best that I could. And I, it, I mean, it was the Walt Disney World Marathon. So uh, half marathon. It's fun, so, right? <laughs> so you can't really, you know, that's, I did that intentionally because I, even if it was, and I wore a tutu, like if, if I was going to do a race, I wanted to make it on my terms and I'm glad I yeah. did. But with my second, I didn't have any intentions. I think I did a trail marathon at like eight or nine months postpartum, but it was just for fun. It mm -hmm. wasn't like a, like, I got to do this. I, I just wanted to experience a trail race. Um, and so and like I said, I was doing track workouts, but I was very much just doing what felt right in the moment. Yeah. So when my neighbor was doing these track workouts, it worked out just well because I could run with her, which was me holding back a little bit, but mm -hmm. still getting some hard stuff in. I could also go to the trails when I wanted to, which was something I was really enjoying um, having always wanted to go to the trails, but been too scared because of rolling the typical rolling my ankle fear. Um, <laughs> and so I was just following what felt right. And that yeah. really allowed my body to not get anywhere close to where I was before, but be okay with that. And just to be having fun with it. Um, yeah. And that's for me kind of followed on. I haven't, I still haven't really set, I've been doing a lot of guiding with visually impaired runners, which is not running my hardest, but I love it. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. I definitely encourage everyone to do that. And, you know, maybe that's a good thing to do postpartum because you're yeah. just still racing. You're just doing it for someone right. else. Um, right. But I've just been this whole time, Chloe's over two and a half now, I've just been following what feels right. And that felt so much better that I trusted my body and I didn't have any of the issues like with my first I had a few times where my I would I strained my glute and I uh, would have hip pain and I would have to walk home from workouts and mm -hmm. I just didn't have any of that with my second and I think it was because I was finally just listening to what yeah. I wanted in my heart but also what I what my body needed in the moment. I, I hear that pattern a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm lucky enough that for a lot of moms, I get to work with them through a couple of pregnancies. Um, and I have yet to, to work with a mom probably in 25 years that the second or third, however many times around was harder. Mm. It's all, and, and, you know, I've, 
I, I've tried to figure out why that's the case. Um, I joke around that, you know, the first time you're just trying to, to you know, mm. figure out how to be a mom and be a parent. Mm-hmm. And I still like, I remember the day they sent us home and we literally put my son down in his room and my husband and I stared at each other. We're like, okay, now what? Like, <laughs> yeah, no idea. Get there, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Your, your whole world is like, I feel like that first time you're just, your whole world is uh-huh. so altered that you don't have to go through that, you know, subsequent times. But like, what, what do you think? Like, do you think, you know, if you had a, a do over, do you think you could have been able to kind of let that first time go a little bit? Or was that something that you kind of had to just learn by doing? Um, well, one thing before I get to that, you, it's funny how, um, I remember being early with my, like with my first in the early days and people saying to me like, Oh, when you have your second, third, whatever, you won't care about this stuff, like (laughs) dropping something on the floor, you know, and they're like, I'm just going to go wash this quick. And, uh, and then, yeah. And then getting to the point with my second or like, you know, a month ago, my five-year-old dropped a cake pop on the floor. She'd taken one bite and she dropped it on the floor. And I was like, so I picked it up and I just put the whole thing in my mouth like yep and then gave it to like I would you know you would never no you wouldn't do that the first time that's total that's that's definitely like yeah I mean she was my first child but I'd had (laughs) years but yeah anyway so um it's funny you say that because I remember feeling that and now when I'm around friends who are in the early stages I'm like just wait like you'll stop doing that stuff but um you know I so to that point I in general am not someone who would ever change anything I think everything about my journey was the way it was meant to be um but and for that reason I don't think I would have learned even if I had that knowledge I don't think I think that led to some moments that led to some things that I would have shared um some connections I would have made that helped other people's lives because of those mistakes I made because of the the things that I did um and so yeah I I wouldn't change anything I do think maybe there's something you it's just you just got to go through it. and I also yeah. think it makes it glaringly obvious the fact that we don't we aren't a community anymore like babies were, it was never meant to be two people walk into a house with a baby and then say okay what do we do now yeah it was meant to be like the elders in your family would would help you and show you um what to do and you effort so I think more than anything the the reason it's so jarring for us the first time is because human beings are not meant to be this way um that's a lovely that's a lovely point so so to that end how do we as experienced moms how do we now go to these women who are considering pregnancy, who are pregnant, who are in mm. early postpartum? How do we impart to them mm. this wisdom of your overtraining, your underfueling, you need to back off? Hey, that that SI pain that you're having that you're just blaming on pregnancy, we might want to get that checked out to mm. rule out a fracture. Mm. How do how do we kind of recreate that community and help? this next generation of moms I mean you're kind of doing that with this that that is exactly what this is you're you're giving people different perspectives and maybe my words might not sink into someone but another guest last week did the guest coming next week did um so giving those different perspectives and things that speak to us we've all heard someone 
on a podcast, on a TV show, on yeah. a clip that we're like, yes, that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> so um, by doing that, you know, that helps. Um, and then I think we all have some role to play in our general lives. We all have, we all are going to have um, some friends or people who are in those early stages and going beyond the obvious of like making them a meal. It's That's kind of the band-aid, right? Is like the... Um, you know take them the dinner which is nice and helpful but it's also kind of the like here you go everything is great I made you a dinner mm. um, whereas I actually tend to one reach out to those friends around six to eight weeks because and Later. speak to yes. the fact of like I always say to people like oh the wheels tend to fall off six to eight weeks in and mm-hmm. at first people always look at me and say why would you say that like I'm in the three week point, like because it's true, hard. and I'm like, <laughs> I, it is hard, but like, right now everyone is checking in on you. Yeah. In a month's time, everyone's gonna have forgotten that you had a baby, and they're just assuming you've got this yep. down, and then you're left feeling lonely, and yeah, maybe getting some pains in your run, and you're like, well, I can't take my running. That's the one thing I have. Right. Um, and you start ignoring things because you're just surviving and like the novelty's worn off people have stopped helping so I think for me my role is kind of speaking to truth I've also spoken to friends about like anger um, like women mm. anger in women is very much like a taboo topic but I had a few instances where I just felt so angry at my daughter not for any reason than her being a baby that's obviously my own uh, triggers that but I having to put her down and walk out the room and be like, I could like punch a wall right now. Yeah. Like I'm so mad, um, even though it's not her fault. And so just yeah. having to like leave her there crying and the guilt of knowing I had left her crying, but also I needed to do needed that for to. myself. Yeah. Um, so speaking to those uncomfortable things, that's what I think part of my role is um, and showing women that, um, yeah those like angry thoughts are okay it's okay yeah. if yeah around six to I've had sent so many messages to people around that time and they've said oh thank you so much I was feeling yeah. like totally alone you know the their husband their spouse their partner has gone back, gone to, back work. to work yep. They're now on their own for hours on end and I remember being that way of like it being 12 p.m and looking at the clock and being like all right six more hours I'll be home in six more yeah. hours and <laughs> you know yep. so I think a lot of it is, yeah, normalizing the things that we feel and being okay to talk about it with the friends we have, even if, like I am, sometimes you kind of become the, like, bad news person, at least (laughs) when that thought comes through to them, they're like, oh, this is what she talked about. Oh, that's okay. She went through this too. Yeah. Um, And especially, I think, for someone like me who kind of lives on the internet, like I've had people say like, oh, you look like you have it all together. But knowing ahead of time, (laughs) says she who posted a video of herself crying a few months ago. Um, (laughs) I definitely do not. Um, I'm glad we didn't have Facebook and and, and Instagram and all that stuff. Like, I literally just had, I think it was like Real Housewives of uh, New York City. My husband, like, Jerry rigged a DVR that I could watch at 2 2 a.m. That's what I had. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, that probably didn't help you though, right? Like watching watching these perfect women. No, 100%. And and there Mm. wasn't like a lot of moms Mm. with, you know, sharing their stories like it is now. I mean, like the reality TV thing had just been starting to pick up. No one's going to watch anything but a mom Mm -hmm. and a baby. Like I think Bethany maybe got pregnant or something, but... 
Um, no, and and to your point too, the stories like my oldest did not sleep the first five years of his life. Mm-hmm. Like no one wanted to hear that. <laughs> Nope. Where, where am I going to go to find somebody that relates to that? It's not the yeah. mommy and me groups because no one's going to talk about that because God forbid we air our dirty laundry that we did it wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's exactly it though. That's like talking to the things mm-hmm. that you struggled with. That's, I think, our role as um, as those who have been through it and know it is, yeah. is speaking to the the hard stuff. And maybe it's not the same thing. Like for me, my girls both slept really well. And I, but I remember having a, one of my close friends who would, it felt like to me, every time I talked to her, she would just be talking about her kids not sleeping. But, mm-hmm. and I didn't relate to that because mine did. No. Um, yeah. But to me, I was struggling with other things that I could yeah. talk to her about. So she knew that even if I wasn't struggling with that, I was struggling there with was something, something else. There was something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was um, something else. And so, and that's why I love shows like Working Mums and uh, what's the other one called? Working Mums. Uh, there's two shows on Netflix. Oh, The Letdown, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, that are about kind of, you know, these mums who are just struggling their way through. The um, one I don't get, and season two just came out and it's really not worth it, was Sex Life. Oh, I haven't where, seen Where, oh, it's, um, I think Adam Damos is his name. And then I can't remember the girl's name. Where basically like she has like an infinite home and then like a toddler. And then she goes off and runs into her like ex-boyfriend in, in the city. And she has all these fantasies about all this crazy sex they had. Spoiler alert. If you don't want to hear the end of season two, I'm just going to blow it because it's really not worth watching. Is she ends up back with him again. But I'm like, mm. how are you? going out to bars and you're lactating like let's just be honest that you're like no <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no that doesn't sound really that's not relatable honey <laughs> no. I mean there's so many there's so many things like that like even yeah. the um yeah the like milking through your shirts constantly like not what not get a wearing pad, honey get a pad yeah um <laughs> yes I well that and that's but that's where that um working mums is the literal yes. opposite where they are almost exaggerating the uh the level of like struggle these women are going through um and I actually had the uh on my podcast I had the gift of uh interviewing Juno Rinaldi who played Frankie in Working Mums oh awesome Um, and she was just so fun like but she was my favorite character on the show um just because she was the most kind of like didn't didn't give a crap she just I loved her exactly you're like that's the person I needed (laughs) yeah 12 years ago (laughs) yeah 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 so um yeah I think we can just we all have our role to play whatever our struggle is talking about it normalizing it yeah um but it yeah uh, part of me thinks that we just have to kind of work through it and also not being afraid to ask for help um that's something I've always I've always been that person to carry 12 grocery bags I've always been that person to carry two suitcases by myself up the escalator like um but you have to be prepared to say like hey I'm really struggling or like someone says let me can I grab you lunch sometimes and you're like oh thanks I'll let you know if I do need that but then picking them up on it like asking for help which is hard what, what's your, just out of curiosity, what's your go-to meal? What, what do you give um, new moms usually? Like what, what do you make usually? Um, I actually don't typically tend to, I'm trying to think, do I, I don't actually even tend to make new moms something. I tend to just give the, I, I tend to either like get them something like a banana bread from a local bakery. Mm-hmm. Or I'm very much like, I love supporting local businesses. So oh, good something for you. that I know they like, like my most recent friend, she loved this banana bread from this coffee shop. So I picked up a loaf of that or some smoothies or something that um, 
is more like a lunchy thing because for me it wasn't so, dinner wasn't so much the problem um, yeah because my husband would be home and my cooking was like my escape ah um, okay but for lunchtime during the day that was the time I was like Ugh. so I tend ah. to just buy things that I think I do that for. mostly now you have to be really like special to me for me to to make something for you but my <laughs> my cousin my second cousin on my mom's side um, who lives here locally, she brought me this big tray and it's a family recipe apparently of like this, this stroganoff. So it's like, mm. it's like a beef in like a little bit of like gravy and it's all braised. And then you do like egg noodles and she brought a bag of salad and then she brought um, a pack of Guinness for milk. And I was like, and, and that that's not even the Irish side of my family, which I think is hysterical. <laughs> so, this is the German Dutch side. That's so funny. I was like, all right, I don't know where this is coming from. But that that has always stuck with me because it mm. kind of hit all the food groups, including the, the Guinness. Do you like, is Guinness something that she knew you drank? No, I, it's, you? Uh, it, if you if you actually, I, I learned this from the Guinness Factory Museum, is Guinness, um, the darker beers supposedly are helpful for your milk supply and it's lower on alcohol. Huh. So darker huh. beers can actually, if you're having milk supply issues, kind of help build that up, whether that's an old wives tale or not, I have no mm. idea. Um, you know, it's, it, to me, it's like chocolate milk. So whatever, but, <laughs> and it was good for my husband too. He was happy. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> yeah. But that's also speaking to the fact of like, it's okay to have, have a drink as well. Right. Like, it doesn't have to be like, you don't need to pump and dump and do the whole crazy thing or whatever. Yeah. 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 All right. I have a couple questions that I um, have been asking uh, some of our guests. So what is your favorite activity since becoming a mom? Um, I don't know if you consider this an activity, but my favorite moment in the day, and this is nothing against my five-year-old, but my two-year-old is very, very, very snuggly. And so am I. And she loves to like put her face next to mine, like on cheeks to cheek and like snuggle together. Like I put my arm over her. She puts her thumb in her mouth. And so lying there like that is like my happy place. So if, I don't know if that's an activity, but. It counts. I will tell you my, my 12 year old, he's like on the verge of, again, Dutch side of the family. We're hoping uh -huh. to overcome the Italian height deficit. <laughs> um, he is like a carnival teddy bear right now and still likes to snuggle. So I hope you have that for as long as possible because it's so wonderful. Amazing. I know. Yeah, More to snuggle. Yeah. <laughs> and the soft awesome. skin, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. yeah. All right. One piece of advice for new moms. What would that be? Um, yeah, I would say that at some point the wheels are going to fall off. This is going to be hard and you're going to wonder if you can, if you can do this, if you're ma ma made out for this. Remember that everyone goes through this, no matter what you see on social media, no matter how good things seem for everyone else and you will get through it. Uh, yeah. ask for help in that time if you need it, but it's okay for you to break down and need help. Awesome. And then last one here, I'm going to, I'm going to tweak what I wrote here for you. What does it mean to you to be, I'm going to say a healthy mm. active mom in postpartum? Listening to your body, your mm. body knows what it went through. Um, and we have a really good, we've become really good at overriding what our body says to us. Uh, but the more you listen and trust it, even if that means you were supposed to have a workout on this, a hard workout on this day and your body says no. And you're like, well, I've got to push through. That's what I'm supposed to do. Right. Um, even if that means skipping that, 
maybe that next week you'll feel amazing and it will be back on track and you'll get back quicker. But that one day of pushing through could be enough to push you over the edge to, to end up yeah. injured or, or broken down in some way. Yeah, no, that's great advice. Great advice. If you guys want to learn more about what Tina has put out on YouTube, you can find her at Tina Muir 88 on Instagram. Um, she's also the host of the Running for Real podcast. Um, you can find her on YouTube. Tina, thank you so much for talking postpartum running, Red S, all the good stuff, and sharing all that you're learning um, with the world about Red S. And hopefully we can um, continue to raise awareness and make sure that this isn't an issue for postpartum moms as well. Thanks yes. so much for being on. Thank you so much for all the work that you do. It really is important. And this is a critical piece of making that step is, is exactly what you're doing here. So appreciate you. Thank you. Did you enjoy the podcast? If so, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and tell a friend to do the same. Are you a postpartum mom or postpartum pro wanting to know more about getting back to running after baby? Check out all my free goodies on carriepagliano.com. This podcast represents the opinions of Dr. Carrie Pagliano and her guests to the show. The content should not be taken as medical advice and is for entertainment purposes only. Always consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.